Ever feel unable to focus, tired, and just low on energy? We understand that feeling. We understand it so well that the Sports and the World Podcast is brought to you by the Couch Guys Sports Network and sponsored by our friends over at Shocked Energy. Shocked Energy is a drink made by gamers for gamers. All their flavors come packed with 180 milligrams of caffeine to ensure that no matter what you're doing, your focus will always be razor sharp to keep you performing at the top of your game. Their formulas are designed to specifically give you high energy boost when you need it most while ensuring to avoid the jitters after too much caffeine consumption. Head over to www.shockenergy.com and use the promo code CGSN today for 10% off your order. Check out their green apple flavor box or even their watermelon flavor box. Oh, and don't worry, they ship worldwide. That's right, worldwide. Get your shocked energy today and let us help you gain your focus and energy back. The Sports and the World Podcast is brought to you by Exogun. Ever do a workout and feel like you need a massage after? Well, get your massage without leaving the house. Don't let pain and soreness slow you down. Exogun revives muscle, boosts circulation, and releases energy so you can recover faster and live better. Take it wherever you need it. Work, the gym, the trail, and put the power of percussion massage treatment in your hands. It's portable, adjustable, and powerful. Exogun is trusted by the pros to deliver the ultimate in recovery. Like we said before, you can even use it for percussion therapy. What is percussion therapy? Percussion therapy boosts muscle function and recovery by penetrating deep into the muscle tissue with a series of rapid, concentrated, pulsating strokes. Gain back control of your body and achieve long-term pain relief with Exogun. Get 10% off with code CGS10 at checkout. Comes with a charger and carrying case. Go get your Exogun today and treat yourself to a massage at a moment's notice. And welcome in all. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome into the Sports and the World Podcast. I'm Ladarius, and I'm here joined by someone been on the show before, had to have him back. You know, I call him Mr. DFS. In the same way Pitbull's called Mr. 305, I call him Mr. Mr. DFS. It's Chris Robin, and how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm fantastic. Outstanding, whatever you want to do it. I don't know where you are. It's not like you're worlds away, but to me, it's it's 7 p.m. on a Friday. So it's TGIF. We have the whole weekend ahead of us. So uh, I'm in a great mood. It was a good, productive, kind of forward-thinking week, and boom, here we are, Friday evening, uh, to just to just yuck it up and to chat and to riff, however you want to put it. Absolutely. Absolutely love it. Like I say, I love having you on. I remember the last it's been ages since the last time we've we've spoken. I know the last time we, we got in the conversation about rocking chairs. I, I remember that. I did have to like I remembered every time I saw a rocking chair, I thought of you. So so I guess kudos to you for that. So let's 
let's just dive right on in and talk about something that I know you're something that I've read, you know, DFS. Something that, you know, I can say that I follow your advice and you're very, very good at what you do. I read, a, you know, it's every day you send me stuff. I read it. I listen. I don't think twice about it. I just do it. And, and I guess the kind of my leading in question is, I'm just very curious, as you know, my mind is about the process, about, you know, when you put out your notes and I read them, like how detailed and how precise and how just so just little idiosyncrasies that I love. And I'm just curious about the process of what goes into you, what goes into the process of you creating these daily DFS or whatever the sport, there's baseball or hockey or whatever. Can you give us, can you give me the listeners and the viewers a little insight into that? I'm very curious. Yeah, it all starts with my with my own personal routine uh, on a you know a nightly basis, and then in the morning wake up at a certain time. And again, I, I've never thought I, I shared this on a few broadcasts before, and I've told this to some of my close friends and family. I never thought that I was going to be or, or have this this mindset or this ideal where I, I need to be this detailed oriented and have a routine because you know, like right now it's seven p.m. Eastern time, and you know when we're done with this broadcast. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to look ahead to tomorrow's baseball action and then I'm going to start to slowly dig in and then when I wake up you know at, at, without a doubt wake up have my coffee give Bootsy her food and then I, I have everything timed in the morning and again I don't want to sound like some freak or some some rigid guy that uh, can only do things a B and C when we know there's X Y and Z but my routine it, it, it's it, it that's what I need to get all this stuff out because we all know in today's day and age you know things are moving quick people only have a like what a two or three minute attention span and with dfs stuff it, it's you you blink or you you clap your hands or do this and it's gone it's only good for like what eight to ten hours and then boom it, it self-destructs it and we move on here so to me it's all about my uh my routine and what i do and how i do it and when it comes to the the dfs content i everything that i share in my content in a broadcast or even in my notes it's exactly kind of what going on in my head just a little microcosm of what's going on in my head and I I don't know I had the microphone muted before you, we started broadcasting live but I'm always I'm always humming or, or singing under my breath and that's not to, to appease anybody else it's to because if I'm doing that then I, I'm paying attention to the singing and the humming I stay out of my own head because again it's a my mind is a dangerous place to be and you don't want to get caught in it alone good bad however you want to put it so to me it's everything you see in my content and my notes that's exactly what i'm thinking when i'm thinking it and i think that's where the the connect the strong connection has been made with the folks who 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 enjoy my dfs content even the folks who hate my dfs content still watch and they still comment so shout out to those folks as well so to me it, it's a routine from start to finish it's getting everything out in my head little notes or or, or little silly you know statistics right baseball it, there's a million different statistics and they're they're making stuff up as we, you know, WOBA or, or ISO, or now there's XFIB and there's all the, I mean, so I, you could literally be here for hours on end in just one game, just one player. So to me, just get it out as I see fit, what's going on in my head real time. I get it out to other folks and, and that's what you see. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can kind of semi-relate to that because sometimes I catch myself, you know, doing what you do, like when I'm working you know, when I'm writing articles, when I'm doing whatever I'm doing in my stack day, 
you know, like singing is to me, it, it creates a sense of like you said, to me, it keeps me focused. And sometimes people, some people may not like understand, but like singing to me or, or listening, sometimes listen to classical, you know, all in a blend. And it helps the process, especially when I do previews for NFL games. You know, I, I sit here and then I, I'm kind of in my own world, pouring through stats and pouring through what I think is going to be important to those listening and watching. And it's a process. And that's why I was just uber curious about yours because I just, I read your stuff and I watch your stuff and I go, it's so detailed. And it's, but more importantly, it's more, it's focused. And it, and it hits on every key point, which everything within DFS, I believe, should do. And so I guess that leads me into uh, this question to kind of stick with DFS a little before we transition. Is that, you know, you know, when you cover all the DFS, is there any particular sport or sports that you find more, a little bit more difficult to do, easier to do, or is it just relatively all the same? No, that, that's a great question because you, I, you didn't ask me this, but the NHL, ice hockey, Stanley Cup, everything having to do with hockey is by far my favorite sport. You know, personally, professionally, when I talk in sports and DFS. So to me, I think the NHL is the easiest of all the sports, but that's just me because I love it so much. And we both know, or anybody that's watching this or will watch this, when you have a passion for something, you'll go to, there, there are no lengths in, in which you will go to, to kind of get over that hump or, or get to what you're looking to do. So to me, I find hockey the easiest just because it's a personal favorite of mine. And you know, a lot of folks, we all, we both know this as well. NFL professional football is without a doubt number one across the board, across the country and viewership in terms of sports betting, DFS. And to me, you know, when I'm doing a, a football betting or DFS, I find that to be the most difficult, especially now, you know, the last few years. And, and I, I would imagine this coming season, is going to be harder than last season in 2023. It's going to get harder and harder each year because everybody under the sun, everybody and their mother wants a taste of it, wants a piece of it. So you're going to get a ton of DFS contests where they're all watered down and it's it's next to impossible. And look, I've been playing NFL DFS for like 10 or 11 years and there was a time right at the start of it all where it was easy. There's 100 guys in a contest. Nobody knew a thing. There was no optimizers. There was no you know Twitter broadcast podcasts like we're doing now and it was just easy it was it was me versus you me and versus 99 other people and we're off and running nowadays it's just next to impossible to get anything of substance you know to win because you got thousands of people hundreds of thousands maybe a damn near a million people every Sunday you know overloading the all these formats FanDuel DraftKings SuperDraft I mean the, the list goes on and on so to me football is the hardest because again there's a million different combos and every week without fail, you're going to get some guy, uh, some some Baltimore wide receiver, Arizona wide receiver, you know, fifth string practice squad guy who goes off for two or three touchdowns and some some dummy is going to put him in their lineup, not even having not edited his, you know what I mean? So there's just so many factors and, and ranges of outcomes when it comes to NFL that, you know, it might not make sense to me, might not make sense to you, but it's just, you do it and here we are. So I find personally hockey to be the easiest and even NBA in a way is, is easy peasy too because when you look at it when you go a month into the season with hockey or even uh, basketball you can 
set your watch to, to the averages that these guys are hitting in NBA. If I go into a slate tonight where it says, well, LeBron averages 25 points a game, he averages 12 rebounds a game, at the end, when that game is over, guess what you're going to be sitting at? He scored 25 points. He scored 12 rebounds. So to me, NBA is pretty easy. NHL is pretty easy. You can set your watch by ice time or shots per game. And NFL it, it is a free-for-all. And truth be told, when it comes to NFL, I'm now getting more action on the writing and broadcasting side of it rather than playing DFS. I'll throw a couple lineups in every Sunday, but I don't go like oh, like crazy over the moon uh, all in on DFS NFL like I used to because of that. I might as We might as well go buy a scratcher ticket uh, you know, at the court gas station you might have more luck doing that than playing in an nfl gpp yeah and you know to your point you know i was listening and something stuck out to what you said which i think is very important pivotal for those listening and watching over will and you mentioned the word passion because i I think it's important to, to understand that when you do whether you write about sports whether you or whatever your passion is in just general when you bring it it will always come through on the other side. It will always come through through your writing, through your how you speak about it. And and I think that's important. And and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people when they talk about hockey, because I know people who who love hockey. And, and I'll be the first guy to admit that, you know, I once upon a time I was a I was a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. Once upon a time. If you ask me what happened, I I couldn't tell you what happened. I remember Martin St. Louis visit LeCalier, and I don't remember. He's the head coach in Montreal now, if I'm not mistaken. St. Louis is the head coach in Montreal now, and Tampa Bay still in the playoffs. They've won the Stanley Cup in back-to-back seasons, going for a three-peat this year. Yeah, and and I saw that, and I go, man, I should have stayed on the wagon. Because I I was on it, it was just, like I said, because hockey, by nature, is not my first sport. But it's always I'm always curious to learn and I'm, I'm always reading about it. Not like I don't know the basics, but but like to your point, it's just the passion. And and I guess and that will transition perfectly into into what's going on in the playoffs in hockey. And I'm just curious to get your thoughts and your assessment of what's of what's going on and how you see it all just playing out in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, well, as it stands now, the the Colorado Avalanche are just, they're on the fast track to to winning the Stanley Cup. They've already punched their ticket to the finals. They swept the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid and Leon Drasitil. And again, before the series even start, I I don't feel stupid for for saying this or tweeting this, but right before that series started, I said, even in my writing, even game one or game two, game three, it was starting to look as if, you know, the Oilers aren't going to hang much longer here. But I thought, you know, the, the Western Conference final was going to be a real treat. We were going to get Nathan McKinnon and Nate Nazim Kadri versus Connor McDavid and, and Leon Drasatil and, and all that they have to bring. And it was a, it was a snooze fest. You know, Car- or Colorado just absolutely steamed steamed them. They, they rolled right over them. I think game one they put they scored eight goals. And then they scored. Six. I mean, they absolutely bent over Edmonton. And it's a, it was just a bummer because I thought that it could have been so much more. But again, uh, Ladarius, we can. Only only do so much. You bet and you talk and you do this. Guess what? The players still have to play and Colorado really just rolled over Edmonton and that's okay. So Edmonton is now out. They have a, a, a very good team. They made it to the Western Conference Finals, but 
as I look in my notes now, it's over for them, and now it's up to Tampa Bay and the Rangers to get something going. I don't believe there is a game tonight. I think uh, game six is tomorrow. The Rangers are playing the Lightning, and it's a, an elimination game. The, the uh, Tampa Bay is up three games to two. They can eliminate the Rangers and go to the Stanley Cup final. Can you can you imagine that? That would be the real treat, that the Tampa Bay Lightning going for a three-peat against this big, bad monster machine that is Colorado. That would be the real treat. So maybe I jumped the gun when I talked about the Western Conference Finals. But it, truth be told here, Ladarius, the New York Rangers are, are they're something else right now. That Their season was, was up and down. If I'm not mistaken, we're talking months ago, the Rangers weren't looking so hot to start the seat. Like the first month or so, they were up and down. And then they've gone on a, a very admirable role. And I'm not ta- I'm, I'm talking like they're already done and eliminated because they're not. But now they're 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 asked to win two games they got to win back-to-back games in order to win so you're looking at it now it's a best of three series Tampa Bay just needs one where the Rangers need two and again I'm not putting it past the Rangers I don't want to upset any Rangers fans because again it's New York it's a huge media market here and if anybody can do it it's the Rangers they're running hot right now and they it's all due to this they call it the kid Line. They got this Alex Lafreniere. Uh, he was the first or second overall pick a few seasons ago. He's been teamed up with, I, I believe his name is uh, Philip Chittle and Adam Fox, their stud defenseman. They're, that second line, the kid line, has been so hot that the, the coach of the Rangers decided we have a like a, a stud defenseman in Adam Fox. Normally skates on the first line, first power play unit. He, he's bumped Adam Fox down to the second line to kind of complement the kid, <coughs> excuse me, the kid on the second line here. So to me, the New York Rangers... It would be interesting and it would be uh, unbelievable if they could win uh, tomorrow in Game 6, force a Game 7, the, you know, overtime. Can you imagine that? Game 7, overtime, the winner goes to the Stanley Cup Finals. And truth be told here, uh, LD, from everything I've seen, and it's not even a secret, that the Stanley Cup hockey playoffs have absolutely just beat the dog crap out of the NBA playoffs. We know they're in the finals right now, but hockey needs to be promoted a little bit more. You, you can't find it anywhere. If I'm not mistaken the, the the Stanley Cup playoffs have been found on TNT and TBS and you don't you don't put those two together NHL and TNT Turner broadcast and all that so as it stands now Colorado is in the finals and I'd love to see sorry Rangers fans I'd love to see them playing Tampa Bay you know and, and what the storylines would be unbelievable here Tampa Bay going for the three-peat Colorado looking to really uh, you know surplant themselves as as, as the, the cream of the crop in the NHL so Anything is possible. Rangers might uh, might get over on them, but who knows how it shakes out. But to me, Rangers uh, and Tampa Bay, look for that one tomorrow. Should be an outstanding game six. Yeah, and to your point, and like I said, like I alluded to earlier, I, I like I said, I'm creeping back into hockey this season. I, I you know, slowly crept back in, you know, you know, kind of things on the outside, like, that like, okay, kind of pushed me away, but I got back in. A couple of people got me back out, back on the horse. On the lightning, but just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. You know that that old Godfather yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, appropriately was in the kitchen, which was my favorite favorite part of the house. So that's why I love that scene. Like Pacino's great at all, but the whole he was in the kitchen. I'm like, if he if he was like outside doing, it, I'm like, eh. But he was in the kitchen, and I'm like, that's the impact. That's the impact of a great line. But but to your point, it's. I got pulled back in, and to your point, like I, I find myself watching the NBA Finals, 
And I also kind of find myself watching a little bit of hockey, which which is interesting because, like, to your point, I, I don't work in broadcasting, you know, to the, to the degree to be like, well, TNT, you know, Turner and hockey. I, in my mind, I, I always pictured it as like a basketball or, you know, oriented type of a network. But like I say, hockey works. It, it's making it work, you know, for better or for worse. But I, I, I do I do kind of keep my tabs on it as much as I humanly can. But you know, speaking of transitioning from hockey, we'll just kind of we'll just kind of skate on over and, and talk about let's talk about the Lions, and and the Lions to me are very very interesting. To me, I I love the draft. I, I talked about you know how how I was very high on Aiden Hutchinson. I I, I really was, and then they they, they got Jamison Williams. So I know you're you're a big Detroit guy. You're a big big Lions fan. I'm a Falcons fan. We don't we don't have to talk about that. I I've done I, I I'll say that for later. But but I guess my my question to you is, how do you see this team and what are the expectations now entering another year under Dan Campbell? What what are the expectations this year that you feel? Well, there's it depends. That's a great question. It depends on who you, what Lions fan you asked, or what uh, you know, what schlub on Twitter you ask, regardless of their fandom here. But the the Lions, to me, you asked me in my personal opinion, the the expectations are uh, they're right in between. They're not they're not like low. We're not like well, let's go for a first overall selection, worst record in the league. But I'm not going to go as far to say, oh, we're going to make a a run in the in the NFC, you know division here in the playoffs take the division you know because that thing is still going to be on lock as long as Aaron Rodgers is around in Green Bay we know that deal he's he's completely ostracized everybody around him he's got Devontae Adams in Vegas saying that well you know what in comparison Derek Carr is pretty similar to to Aaron Rodgers I mean come on Aaron Rodgers must have hurt Adam so bad that he's talking this way uh, in Vegas. But all that aside, when we look at the Lions, you know, the expectations are to me, I don't really have any. And that's a, the first time I can say that in a long time. And that leads me to believe that not only in, in, in my heart of hearts, but maybe this organization, uh, it, it's taken a turn for the better here. Because every year, the same time every year, at the draft, after the draft, in summer OTAs and things like that, you're going, well, you know what? The, these rookies look good. Maybe they'll put together six, seven wins. Maybe they'll make a run for the NFC North, and who knows? I'm not thinking that way anymore. You know, whatever happens will happen, and I think that's a good mindset to have, especially for someone like me. I'm 38 years old. I've been a Lions fan since the day I was born. I had, you know, the Lions onesie on at the hospital right there on 8 Mile and and Mac over there on the east side of Detroit. But to me, uh, I love the idea of having positive options. I've said this numerous times on other broadcasts about the Lions, you know, with their draft selections, with their the draft selections that they have yet to 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 make good on next season. They have two first round picks next year. So it's good to have positive options and everything I've seen from Brad and Dan, you know, you know, I trust. And I can't remember, I don't think in my lifetime, uh, Ladarius, I don't think I've ever said that about Lions Brass or Lions Front Office. I've never trusted their GM. And the head coach has always been, meh, you know, we'll see what they do. And normally they turn out to be, you know, a pumpkin and they stink and everything. But to me, Dan is, is his own guy. You know, he's not trying to 
you know, put on a show. He's not trying to go like this coach tough speak. He's not saying and doing all this stuff for, for cameras. And he's not saying and doing this stuff. So some of us or the media picks it up and goes, Dan, really? No, no, he's doing what he feels is best for the organization and his players. And once you have a head coach in that same vein, where they know that the coach and the GM is going to go to bat for them, they know the head coach and the GM respect them as men. You don't treat them like kids, like Matt Patricia did you don't put them down call them names when there's a mutual respect there and there's an uh, there's an understanding that you know you're the head coach I'm the player we can all get along we can all get this thing going then you can elite you alleviate so much pressure you can alleviate so much of that nonsense and you get to the fundamentals you get right to playing football when you look back through all the, the some of these other dummy head coaches like Matt Patricia Jim Schwartz it was always about them they made it known that I'm the head coach, I'm in charge, I'm going to do what I want, you know, screw the players, and the and the players, the fans picked up on that, and then that was a huge, that was a brick wall built between coaching staff and the players, and then when you when you break through it, what do you, you've spent so much time breaking through that frictional brick wall, what, what do you have left? It's already week one, and you've got nothing going, you've got nothing together, so with that, with, with Patricia, I'm glad he's gone, I heard he's going to be calling players for the Patriots, who cares? But when you look at Dan and Brad with this coaching staff, with the, the the pieces they've assembled and the team in terms of the players, I love how they're getting along together and I love what they're doing. There's a ton of mutual respect, mutual adulation. These guys, uh, you know, coaching and players really look like they're, they're here to do a job and there's no nonsense in between. There's no underlying issues. I, I'm not going to go to, you know, the, the mail tomorrow and pick up the Detroit News in here. Well, head Lions head coach said this or that. Uh, he was putting down a player. You're not going to hear none of that. It's all about business, and it's all about building a, a relationship that's based on football. Fundamentals, playing well, and doing what you need to do on the field from a personal standpoint and from a team point. So to me, Lions are on a, a really good path, and I'm breaking a sweat here because I could keep going and going about the Lions, Ladarius. I know, and, and I was list, listening, and I was – I was nodding because you you touched on something that I always feel is very integral when we talk about, and it kind of crosses over not just to sports, but kind of to any business, to any kind of company. Is I've always believed it's a top-down process. I believe that who you have running your organization, you could have great play, you could have, but who's at the top? And and I, I could give countless examples of teams that we've both seen in our lifetime where we've went like, man, the coach and the GM are just awful. But when you bring in people, when you bring in a head coach and a GM that understand and are very mutual, they have a mutual respect for one another. One is not better than the other. And what I saw, you know, for, for Brad Holmes, is, you know, Dan Campbell, is, is that it just felt like the Lions, like you can't base it on their record. They played a lot better than what I saw. And it's like this football team, they're in a lot more games than I've seen them be in over the last like five years. Like it, the team doesn't feel defeated. They're in every game, even though they could be, you know, they could be the underdog in every, but they're, they're coming out there and they're showing up with a level of intensity. And and it's and I look at them and I go, they could be a team. Like to your point, I don't you know expect them to make like a big Super Bowl run or anything. But what I do expect from them is that 
is that this division, you know, it's changed a little, you know, Devontae Adams to, to Vegas. So Aaron Rodgers is kind of feeling out his receiving core. And, and I kind of look at there's kind of a competition. I kind of feel between Chicago and Detroit, the kind of who's that second best team? Because I, you know, or excuse me, Minnesota. Because I kind of feel Chicago, you know, still has some things to do. But I look at Minnesota and I look at Detroit and I go, who's the second best team? And I and I give the slight edge to Detroit. People are like, well, you know, I had this whole thing about Kirk Cousins. People think, well, that's about that. No. I look at Detroit, it looks different and it feels different. Needless to say, you know, I know how good Minnesota is, but Detroit is a team who's building something really special there, something that's very unprecedented, and I really, really like it. And I think a lot of people around the league are kind of looking around like, like Dan Campbell, a lot of people didn't peg him as a head coach. You know, he was an interim head coach when he was with Miami. And he comes in, he gets this job, and it just feels different. It feels different from Patricia. It feels different from Schwartz. It just feels different. Like and even like even from the front office. Like, because to me, like Matt Millen, great player. But like how do you, how do you draft three wide receivers in, in a row? You know, and like, oh, we need a defensive lineman, get a receiver. We need oh, wait a minute, we need a running back receiver. And, and, and it's amazing to me, but like but like to your point. To circle back, it just feels that, you know, you know, Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes get this team doing something special. And and kind of before we transition to talk about the Tigers, I, I want to talk about Jared Goff because I, I kind of feel it there's was talk about him. I read it and I hear like, oh, they were going to get a quarterback in the first round. They were going to spin one. But I, I'm curious to see. Uh, and you mentioned something that they have two first round picks next year in a draft that's quarterback kind of heavy to a, to a greater degree. What does Jared, is there anything Jared Goff can do this year to, I don't want to say convince the fan base, but can make a case to come back for 2023? What can he do in 22 to come back in 2023? Just just be confident. If you look back through last season, and I'm not saying anything uh, that folks probably haven't already heard or read here, but when you look back through some tape or just watching games live with your own two eyes, uh, I've noticed it too. In, in a lot of these circumstances, he was a, he felt a little bit timid when making a throw, like it would be too too far, or it would short hop, or you know he wasn't on the mark. And I think that had everything to do with confidence. His first year away from LA and and I, I can I can get on board with that any of us you know you're at a job for so long and you start a new one you got to feel everybody out and in the situation and then take that and times it by a hundred thousand because you're a professional football player everything you do is on film and on tape and criticized and there's how many 30 40 thousand fans watching you live at any given time so the confidence to me is very key with Jared Goff and as you look back for as soon as last season 
ended, he was he stayed in the city. He didn't. It's not like he went back to L.A. to to go live a lavish lifestyle. I mean, he stuck around here and he wanted to work with certain players. He had meetings with the coaches. So to me, Jared Goff's confidence level should be you know remotely different for the better uh, this coming season. And I think the the idea that the the front office this is the give and take that you love about football, right? Jared Goff is a, a very capable professional quarterback. We know the the, the old adage, you know, well, he started in a Super Bowl, was it him? I don't care, but he was the uh, the starting quarterback for a Super Bowl team playing for the LA Rams, the first overall selection. This kid has all the tools and the smarts to do all of this stuff. So when you fast forward to now, and when you look at, at, at what the front office and the, bra- the brass did, you know, the head coach, the GM, they're putting him in a position to be successful. You know what I mean? So when you look at today's NFL, you know, long gone are the days of where you, you draft, a, like they did with Stafford, you draft a quarterback first overall, you got absolutely nothing else around him, and you give him the keys and go, well, the franchise is yours, the city, you got, you hold the city of Detroit and the Lions on your back, and you're it's either going to break or you're going to be successful. And as you said, all those wide receivers the Lions drafted all those years, they did the same to them. Charles Rogers, Roy Williams, this is your team. You, you are our first round selection. We got nothing around to help you, but you're going to change. Like That's not the way the NFL works anymore. And we've seen other teams like the, the Kansas City Chiefs. They built their team. You know, uh, Buffalo kind of did that in a way. Even the Chargers. And the last piece of the puzzle was, whoop, they put a quarterback in. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and even Joe Burrow to a certain extent. Now you're off and rolling. This game in today's day and age, which I've said a million times, it's not about one person. It's not about just a quarterback anymore. Sure, DFS format, sports betting, you know, over-unders and all that. Yeah, you love to see a stud quarterback. Mahomes is unbelievable. So is Josh Allen, Herbs, and even Burrow. But but in most teams, and especially in the case of the Lions, who have been broken and shattered and just dysfunctional for so many years, it's going to take some time to put, you know, the pieces around, like the dominoes or the cards, however you want to put it. And that's what this, this organization has done the last two seasons, defensive linemen. And now also... I mean, I, I think it's fair to say they have put together a very good sneaky collection of wide receivers and even uh, TJ Hawkinson and, oh, DeAndre Swift to kind of help, uh, you know, ease ease the pain or, or take the burden away from Jared Goff. So it's not all about him. The trade that the L.A. made to just dump him off in favor of Matthew Stafford, that's not even a thing. Jared Goff is the quarterback here, and this team has built and put pieces around him to help him be successful. So that Right off the bat, that should take some pressure off of his shoulders, and I think Jared Goff is going to do well. Is he going to be some, you know, dynamo fantasy star, sports betting star? Probably not, but I don't care about that. I care about, you know, w- winning meaningful games and playing the four quarters and, and coming out victorious at the end of it here, and I'm almost certain Jared Goff can be that guy for the Lions in 2022, and when, you, you know, you say that out, I would never tweet that because I'd be absolutely killed and murdered because people would jump to the conclusion that, oh, so you're saying you prefer Jared Goff over, over uh, who is it, Pat Mahomes? No, I'm not. I'm saying for the Detroit Lions, what we're trying to do, sports betting and DFS aside, I want the Lions to win games. The city of Detroit wants the Lions to win games, and I think Jared Goff is very capable at getting that done with the, the assortment of talent he has around him. Yeah. And, and, you know, and to your point, and, and sometimes, you know, 
as much as sometimes as great as Twitter can be, sometimes Twitter can be quite the reciprocal of that. Because when if you if you were to dare put that out there, you would get those responses like, "Oh, what are you saying about passion?" No, what people understand. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to send out a tweet right now while we're while we're live. Jared Goff, I think Jared Goff is a very uh, capable quarterback in 2022 for the Detroit Lions, and we'll see what happens during the length of yeah. this broadcast. Yeah, but and the thing is that it, it's not a terrible tweet. To, in fact, it's a very valid tweet because what I've always I love the quarterback position. I'm obs- you know I'm obsessed with it, and I love talking about quarterbacks. And when when the trade went down between, you know, Stafford and golf, you know, people are like, well, golf is, is trash. And I'm like, no, here's the thing. This is, we got to understand how Jared golf's career started. Like he went to a Rams team. That's nowhere near the Rams team that it is now. Or when he got it, we remember he had Jeff Fisher as his head coach. Jeff Fisher is a guy who needless to say, not, not, the greatest guy to have your quarterback with. And it's, and it's not even because he's a defensive guy. We've seen guys like Belichick succeed with Britt. So it's not even about what his primary function is. You know, it's just about like Jeff Fisher in general. That was just not a great environment conducive for Jared Goff. And then all of a sudden you bring in this guy named Sean McVay and Jared Goff looks like the number one overall pick for like three seasons. Like there was a stretch of three seasons where he just looked fantastic. And then something happened along the way, you know, before his year, before he got traded. But what I will say about Jared Goff is this, and, and, and this kind of kind of branches out to how I feel about the quarterback position. We, we live in an era and we live in a time, and you kind of alluded to it, where we just, we're used to throwing guys in there and just kind of figure it out. It's like you're throwing things in the kitchen, you're throwing in all these seasonings and all these different things. And you want it to taste good. But the key is you don't know what you're throwing in there. And sometimes it may taste good and sometimes it's not. And, and I kind of feel that when, when we talk about quarterbacks, like when we look at Justin Herbert, people want what Justin Herbert did in year one. People want that from every quarterback. And I'm like, that's just not possible. Because you got to see what kind of, you know, not saying Justin Herbert's not a talent, but look what Justin Herbert walked in the door in that building with. He didn't walk it. He walked in. He had got like a guy at Keenan Allen. He had Mike. He walked in the door with two great wide receivers, and and look at Patrick Mahomes. He walked in the door, and my goodness, you know, even though he sat a year behind, you know, Alex Smith, but look, he had Tyreek Hill, he had Travis Kelsey. He walked in the door with talent. So as much as we can knock, I feel Jared Goff. We have to understand that Detroit is trying to put talent around him, which you should always do with your quarterback. And the way this team is constructed, they're doing that because, you know, Brad, listen, they could have drafted a quarterback. They really could have. I mean, they had two first-round picks. They had the draft capital to, to go get, if, if they really, really wanted to, to get Kenny Pickett. Or if they really, really wanted to, to go get, they like Malik. If, if they really targeted a quarterback in the draft that they liked, they could have gotten him. But they stuck with golf, and they built something through the draft they built you know they built you know an offense around they're building the defense and i think and i'll say this before we trans before i transition to close is is that we have to understand sometimes as fans it may be difficult to understand 
we have to be patient with how we talk about quarterbacks because we can't expect to kind of when, when you have guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady out there still doing, not every quarterback's going to be like that. And not every quarterback's going to be like Justin Herbert coming out of the gate. But you have fans, and, I, and I've always said this, you have to have realistic expectations. Not no Narnia-like fantasies, like where there's a, there's a whole, you go behind the wardrobe, you see Narnia. No, you, you, you got to be realistic about this. And, and I think in the circle back to Jared Goff, Jared Goff fits what Detroit wants to do. Because I, I, I try to explain this to people. It's like, look, look at what a team's draft capital is. Look what teams have done to go get a quarterback. If Brad Holmes really, really thought that Jared Goff was not the guy, he'd have done something. And we could talk about 2023 because, listen, as a Falcons fan, listen, my guy, you know, Arthur Smith, he doesn't want to talk about 2023 because he knows the quarterback class. And he knows we're walking in with Mariota and we drafted Desmond Ritter. But to me, it's about being patient with your quarterback. And with Jared Goff, he was the number one overall pick for a reason. He just wasn't, and I tell these people, he wasn't like the, the, he wasn't like how Lamar Jackson was like a guy who had, you know, he was the last guy in the first round of his of that draft class, and look what he did. Jared Goff was a top of, of his quarterback class. And it's amazing being like, when we slap him on busts, no, I can name a few busts, but Jared, I, I refuse to put Jared Goff as a bust because, look, what did he have? And I, and, I, and I have to explain this to people all the time. What does he have? And people say, oh, well, look what he had. Is, yeah, you have to have – people understand – we can knock a quarterback as great as Dan Marino was. He had Mark Duper and Mark Clayton. As great as Joe Montana was, he had some guy named, uh, let me check my notes, Jerry Rice. So, you know, I mean, to go on the tangent about that, but when I talk about quarterbacks, it just amazed me when I, when I look at a guy like Jared Goff and we're just sitting there knocking the guy, you know, thinking like, oh, he's a system guy. And, you know, we also thought some guy named Tom Brady was a system guy too. And he wasn't a system guy. And I'm not comparing golf to Brady by no stretch. But Jared Goff just needs the tools like any great quarterback throughout history has ever got. That's it. And I feel what Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes are doing is get, you know, is getting him that talent. So for what they want to do, Jared Goff is the guy. Because if he wasn't the guy, if he was that bad, if you read what people say about him. Oh, they would have. They could have got rid of him. They they would have traded for Baker Mayfield, they, if, or Jimmy Garoppolo if he was that bad. But obviously, the front office says we believe in him, and that helps his confidence. I think more than anything. It's one thing, you know, for any of us to say, "Well, he's the guy," but when your front office does it, and they say, and they look on the roster like, "Well, he knows." He looked at quarterback room that he's the guy. That's going to help his confidence, and I think that's going to help him this year. You know, am I saying he's going to, you know, sling the ball for 5,000 yards? No. But you're going to see a very much improved Jared Goff. You got a, you got a new offensive coordinator in there. And essentially, from what I've read, is that essentially this is kind of Jared Goff's offense. This, you know, he kind of dictates how this offense is going to be. And that's huge for the confidence. Very huge. And – I didn't mean to go on that Jared Goff rant, but I felt it had to be done for for, for the good of the nation. It, it had to be done. It was outstanding. Thank you for that.
because it's it, it was it's it really got to me. It's like I, I I'm not going to ask well who's better, Jared Goff or Baker. I, I'm, I don't get into those type of situations unless I write about it for my job. But what I will say is, is that look, there's a reason. There's talent in Jared Goff. It's like just give him talent. I've seen guys who come out of come out of school. Listen, average quarterbacks have great receivers in this, and they're still average quarterbacks. But Jared Goff needs talent, like any other quarterback. And when people understand that, it's like Detroit can be something because listen, defensively they're doing some things there. Aaron Glenn is doing some things that Dan Campbell cut. Dan Campbell feared that Aaron Glenn was going to get hired by New Orleans. He feared that, and he. That defense is going to be great. This team's going to be fine. Jared Goff's going to be fine. It's like it, it blows my mind when people when people talk about it. It's just I, I'm I'm done with the Jared Goff rant, folks. You, you got your you got your money's worth. I, I hope. You did, yeah. You got your money's worth, no doubt. So did I. I. I got to see it live, live and in the flesh, live and in person. <laughs> And before I go to the golf brand, I want to introduce you to, and it seems I'm getting a lot of shows talking about baseball because I'm all, baseball to me is always special. You know, I will go to that, that store. You, you can pay extra for that if you want to hear that. But, you know, I, I was doing a little mini research, you know, before we came on. And I noticed something odd about our both, both of our teams. It is that both of our teams, we both play, you know, I'm a Cubs fan. You know, your Tigers play in the AL Central, mine's playing the NL Central. And in our respective divisions, we're both eight and a half games back in our in our respective divisions. And and I'm like, well, that's you know, it's it's perfect. But I, I do want to talk about Detroit before we get out of here. I do want to talk about Detroit. And just to talk about, you know, your thoughts on the Tiger season, your thoughts on Miggy, to me, to me, Hall of Famer. I, I don't think there's much I don't think it's really up for debate, in my opinion. You look at it; listen, he's hit all the, he's hit all the milestones. First ballot, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he hit all the milestones there. So I just want to get some of your thoughts on the Tiger season thus far, and just, just your, you know, your what were your expectations going into the season, and what are your expectations moving forward with this team. Well, little did we know that the season was going to, uh, it was kind of over before it started. And I hate to say that it's only June 10th here, but now just came out today, actually a few hours ago on Friday, June 10th, that our star stud, you know, five-star blue chop, uh, blue chip prospect Casey Mize is done and he's having uh, Tommy John surgery. And then you get all the folks where he's been in and out of the lineup. And I, at last time he pitched was sometime in April, right? And why didn't he have it then? I mean, it, we're, we're only talking the difference of a couple months and Tommy John surgery is the full year so we're not going to even see him till 2024 and heading into the season right right before opening day it was look everything was sunshine and rainbows we had a you know a young unproven but could be studly you know rotation with him and Matt Manning Tariq Skabol has been doing uh, outstanding he's been awesome our relief pitching as it stands now has been one of uh, I think their top 
three, top five in all of baseball. But headed into the season, it was going to be Spencer Torkelson is going to be in the lineup and he's going to be batting cleanup before not. And Riley Green, he's, you know, both were in the top three overall, you know, the MLB top 100 prospects. Riley Green, you know, has this weird injury and he hasn't been, he hasn't been active since in the MLB. Granted, he's now uh, all good. He's He's been starting for the Mud Hens right down in Toledo, so he'll be called up any day. Same thing with Robbie Grossman. Robbie Grossman uh, was in uh, AAA for a few uh, rehab starts. He hit a bomb his first A-B in Toledo, and now uh, he's leading off tonight, actually. He was bu- called up, and boom, he's he's starting. So, uh, you know, Riley Green is not far behind. So, to me, you know, is it uh, are they too far gone? I would say probably what, Ladarius, a week or two? I know things change mm-hmm. so quick, so I would say about two weeks ago, it was all doom and gloom that the Tigers are done. Why we're we're so stupid for having these high expectations. And I think, and, and call me crazy, but in my opinion, my expectations were very high because I was riding the wave of the Red Wings. They. They stunk, but they have some really good, young, promising stars. And Steve Eiserman's running this whole thing here. So there's a lot to like for, for the Wings. And then you had the NFL draft and what they did and what they're. So I think the city of Detroit and even me personally. I was letting some of that kind of rub off. And, you know, we, we all want, especially me, I want the, the, the Lions to be awesome. I want the Red Wings to be awesome. And I want the Tigers to be awesome. And, and right before opening day, you know, spring training, they were they were right there in front of us. Their season was just about starting while the Red Wings season was over. And the Lions, we know what we were getting from them. But to me, I think the expectations were high because we, 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 we're, we're starved for a winning franchise. We, we go through waves in, in, in and flows here in the city of Detroit with, with teams being good. We've had all those Wings Cups, and the Pistons have been good. The Tigers went to all those World Series not too long ago here. So the city of Detroit is an unbelievably you know loyal sports city, right? We want all our teams to be good. Even when they stink, we pack stadiums and everything. So I think the excitement of the Tigers was, was, uh, it was a little bit premature, but it was based on all those outlying issues here. And now as we look at, you know, we're 10 days into June here. They're eight and a half games back. You know, the, the White Sox aren't this juggernaut that we thought they were, at least yet. They were supposed to be run away with this division. In Minnesota, they're always, regardless of what they have around them in terms of talent, they're just an, a, a superbly ran, ran organization. And they're always in the mix, right? Because they're just so good in terms of their front office and their scouts and everything. Kansas City's Kansas City. But right now, I mean, the Titans Tigers are they're they're way down and they got to dig themselves out of this thing. And the bright spot, and let's be honest here, it's Miggy, three thousand hits. This guy right now is batting over three hundred. I don't know if you caught that Kansas City broadcast at the beginning of the season where the, 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 this dummy actually said on the live Kansas City broadcast where uh, you know oh Miggy's just a baby, he's always whining, he's crying. I don't know how someone. And then while he was talking, Miggy hits a bomb and shuts everybody up. So to me, Miggy first bat. I mean that that's that goes, I don't even want to say that because it's uh, what's understood doesn't have to be explained. You know what I mean? So to me, Miggy's a bright spot and you'll love to see that. Obviously, he's in the twilight of his career. And the one thing that I do not like, I think is is the biggest, eh, that stinks right now, is 
Javi Baez. This guy couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, but he's going to stay in the lineup because he is, in all intents and purposes, he's their star stud superstar shortstop. They paid him a ton of money, and his his defense is still otherworldly, but this guy is just so bad as it right now in terms of striking out. I don't know if you caught this a few games ago. He struck out three. He struck out three times in one game, and every swinging strike was the same exact pitch from the AB before. From the AB before. So, what in your your major league, you know, playing mind, you can't recognize, you know, uh, what the pitcher's going to throw, or you can't recognize the pitch, you know, from the from the arm slot or where the pitcher's throwing it here. So, to me, Javi Baez is is in a bad spot right now. But again, he's a star. We know what he can bring to the table. He's always going to be in the line. Up because of his defense, and again, you get a lot of people. Uh, you know, the the Cubs. You're a Cubs guy. Cubs fans, so glad that he's gone, right? Mets fans, so glad that he didn't come here, and we got Lindor. Everybody's saying, "Oh, so glad he's gone." But to me, I, I'm glad he's here. This guy can can play ball. He's a professional uh, baseball player, and he'll get it together. But right now, at this moment in time, the Tigers are they're kind of treading water. I don't want to say they're they're completely out of this thing, but they're doggy paddling. They're treading water. You know, it's their their water levels right about here. You know, by the end of the month, if they don't win, you know, the, so to me, they're still scratching and clawing, and we'll see what we get. Bummer about Mize, but uh, we've had some bright spots like Skabal, like our bullpen, and it's amazing to me that the, the, the that their bullpen's been so good that their bullpen's been able to close out games all while the Tigers are, aren't even averaging three runs a game. So that tells you how good and dominant this this Tigers bullpen has been, if and when they have a lead. So I mean. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the story. It's only June 10th here. But uh, I'm looking forward to a full summer downtown uh, Detroit at the ballpark, and we'll see what we, we can get. The I mean, the city of Detroit, scrappy, gritty, and the Lions, Tigers, and all the other uh, sports franchises, they embody that kind of mindset. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I'll just say this before we, we put a button on this. Is that to your point about Javi Baez, I'll be super quick. I think with Javi Baez in Chicago, is what I kind of think fans are banking on in Detroit. And I think another I think another issue was is just for the Cubs. He could have still been a Cub, but the Cubs were just cutting prices. They essentially, you know, they they kind of they, they got rid of Chris Bryant, they got rid of Rizzo. Rizzo, yeah. And and they and completely kinda, gutted their fan base. I mean that was that was a that would have been a huge bummer had I been a, a Cubs fan. Yeah, and it was tough because I'm thinking, well surely they're gonna keep one of the three. But they just said no to all three. And and there's optimism. You know, as I always like to say as a Cubs fan, I'm always cautiously optimistic. You know, because, you know, with Suzuki, and you know, we still have we still have the professor, we still have Kyle Hendricks, and you know, we, we still have pieces that we still have Wilson Contreras. So I, I it's not the end of the world, but like but to your point to, to Javi, I you know, I, I believe Javi can turn it around. I, I really do. It's just that I hope, to your point, he learns from his at-bats. Because to your point, if you're if you're literally missing on the same outside, if you're missing on that same slider, the pitcher knows, well, I'll just put a slider there. I'm going to still get the same result because he's not learning. He's, he's not learning to take the pitch. He's learning to keep swinging and hopefully to connect. And I'm like, Hopefully, I just think that if he just looks at it at his at bats, and just figures it out. It, I don't think it, it's it's not. The, I think what makes it a bigger deal is because of the money he's getting. 
that, that, that's just simple yet. You know, like anybody, you want to return on your investment, essentially. But, but you know, but once again, before, before we call the show, Chris, I want to thank you so much for being on here. I, I really do appreciate it, my man. And, and before we get out of here, let all the amazing people know where they can find you and your amazing content. Yes, yeah, so pretty simple. I'm not a big plugs guy. You can find me on Twitter at social, uh, excuse me, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, at Detroit Beastie. All my DFS content is at Team Riser Fall. It's a fantastic site. I got the flag hanging in the background, the Beastie jersey uh, there as well. If you're looking to do anything DFS, you're going to want to hit your wagon uh, to Team Riser Fall. So go there, check it out. The Discord's free. When you get there, tag me. I'm at Detroit Beastie as well. And uh, I'm around. I like to think I'm not too hard to find if you're looking for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, if I can find them, folks, I'm the same guy. I always found Waldo in those pictures. Oh, we, where's Waldo? Well, just just find the guy with the stripe. Yeah, exactly. It's like, look, it's like if I can find Waldo, folks, I I, I found I found him. So, so once again, check him out on social. Go to Eddie Joy BTT Monster Fall. Check out his amazing content. You won't be disappointed. And once again, Chris, thank you so much for being on here. Once again, man, I just truly appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime, anytime you need something, you're in a pinch, you need a guy. I'm that I'm right there for you. You know, my, my DMS are always open to you and anybody else that wants to talk sports, life, whatever you want to do. So I appreciate you thinking of me and having me on LD. Absolutely. Always a great guest. Always a good time. And folks, until you see and hear me again next time, I'm a various, be real, be you, be blessed and be safe from all of us here from the sports and the world podcast.